Welcome to Bodcast, the business of dentistry podcast, brought to you by Practice Plan. Bodcast delivers the best business advice, real life stories, and practical hints and tips to make your practice a more profitable and sustainable business. And now, here's your host. So, hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest podcast from Practice Plan, where we're going to be discussing um, the latest market review from Christie and Co. And I'm absolutely delighted to be joined today by Steve O'Connor from Christie & Co. Welcome, Steve. Hello, Nigel. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, well, I, I'm very, very grateful to you for giving up your time today. So for the benefit of those of you that um, don't know me, I'm Nigel Jones. I'm the Sales and Marketing Director of Practice Plan. And I'm always very interested in all the kind of things that are going on in the world of dentistry. And I think when it comes to practice valuations and the, the um, drivers for change in that world, um, it, it's a particularly interesting time, I think. And I must admit, I found the, the latest Christian Co-Market Review very, very interesting reading. Steve, I wonder if you could start by um, just describing your role at Christian Co. and then also um, giving us a sense of what you perceive to be the overview and the highlights of of the latest review. Yeah, absolutely. So my role at Christian Co. I'm an associate director based in our Birmingham office. I cover dental practice sales across predominantly the West Midlands um, and sometimes venture over the border into North Wales as well. Um, in terms of our dental market review, I think the key highlights, which I'm sure we'll discuss in a bit more detail, a few key themes creeping through, which include a slower than normal start to the year. So half one transactions were down, which were driven by various factors, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, there are still some recruitment challenges which are coming through, um, but I think throughout half two of this year we've seen a, a, a real uptick in transactional activity and and in general sentiment across across the industry i think there's a lot more positivity after what has been a rough 12 months and um, and so we expect through the remainder of this year and certainly into next year the picture to be to be far rosier than it has been Okay, so so that that's good to hear about that uptick in optimism on various points because it it feels like in some senses it's been quite a challenging time, particularly for NHS practices and particularly when it comes to recruitment, which I'm I'm sure we'll we'll delve into as you said. So, what what do you think are the main factors behind that that slowdown in valuations that you oh sorry in in volumes that you saw before? Yeah, so I, th I think without doubt the largest factor has been interest rate rises. Um, we've been fortunate over recent years for, for for having incredibly low interest rates over a long period of time. I think when Bank of England were increasing the base rate, it was fast, frequent, um, and before you knew it, we were we were kind of at 0.1% not that long ago, and suddenly we're at five, five and a quarter percent. Um, so the the speed in which the rates have risen have certainly had had a, a, an impact on um on on the general confidence in the market really um it's made things more expensive and it's just given people time to pause and assess whether now is the right time whether they'd perhaps be better off holding on for a period of time it's always incredibly difficult to time the market as such um but whilst interest rates were were going up rapidly i think there was just a bit of a bit of time for pause and reflection um as a result of, of the most recent Monetary Policy Committee meeting not increasing bank interest rates, 
Um, we've, we've seen confidence come back into the market now and things settle. I think buyers are, are accepting of the fact now that this is the new normal. Um, interest rates aren't going to be going back to to historic lows anytime soon. And so if you want to to, to kind of get on in terms of buying dental practices, you, you have to work with within within and the environment that's that's currently set so a lot more confidence now a lot more activity uh, that, that's interesting so i think of what i've um if i've interpreted you correctly there steve that that actually because there's an acceptance that this is how it's going to be for some time there's no point in kind of waiting for an improvement in interest rates it's it is what it is so you just plan around that Ab- absolutely that's it yeah um People are now used to, to to paying more to borrow money. Um, it's it's filtered through. It was it was a scary prospect at the time, but but it it, it is now becoming accepted. Um, some of the knock on effects of obviously higher interest rates and the and the wider cost of living crisis, if you like, that isn't specific to dentistry, but I think what everybody's feeling. Um, operating costs within dental practices have gone up. And so that eats into the bottom line. We haven't seen a real slowdown of revenue across dental practices, but profitability is marginally lower than than perhaps where it was 12, 18 months ago. And so what we found, particularly through half one um, of this year and, and, and kind of venturing into the second half of this year, prices have softened marginally. Um, multipliers they've they've rolled back very slightly so the multiple of EBITDA that that we use um but prices haven't uh dived off a off a cliff edge by by any stretch you know for good quality practices we're still achieving good prices and and uh, I mean one of the the, the the facts that people talk about an awful lot in terms of driving valuations is the activity of the groups and the corporates so I, I was quite interested in in that um, whole section of the report. So what what would you pick out of that as being particularly interesting points? Yeah, so so I think the the sheer volume of of transactions taking place within the independent market more more so than the corporates. I think over the last few years, again, um, I know that you know we've sold many many practices to the corporate groups. Um, they typically go for the for the larger practices. But as much as as anybody else, you know, they they took time to pause and reflect on their existing portfolios. Some of the poorly performing practices they've decided to to uh, dispose of and divest, um, many of which we're we're acting for. But I think the highlight from the report is is just the sheer volume of of practices going back into independent ownership. Now, at the smaller end of the scale, those types of practices would likely have always been sold to an independent owner anyway. Um, but independent dentists are also purchasing some of the larger stock that we list. And I think that's great because it, it, it brings it back into independent ownership. And we know that in due course, that could be an opportunity in which the practice can be resold back into corporate ownership at a later date. 
Mm, yeah, that's very interesting. I, I, I was struck when I sort of compared and contrasted the 22 market report with the 23 one that actually there's been really, relatively little change in the proportion of practices owned by corporates and mid-sized groups and things. So it, I think it was a slight shift. But, but anywhere in mind, we've had quite a dramatic um, trend in that direction over the last 10, 20 years. And it, it, that does seem to have slowed down quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And and as I say, I, th- I think that's still driven largely by the wider economic factors. Um, terms that corporate groups are offering are not as favourable as they were 12, 18 months ago. Um, and they have now took the decision, many of them, uh, to, to dispose of underperforming practices within their portfolio. You, you recall that, that we're selling um, 45 practices on behalf of Bupa. Um, and other groups are, are are doing a similar thing, albeit to a to a much smaller scale. Um, as I say, those those practices invariably end up back in independent ownership, which is which is great for the sector. You've touched on a, a number of points during the course of the conversation so far that I, I think are, are really interesting to to explore. But the the, the um, rising costs of running a dental practice that there, there seem to be, um, and of course, being who I am, I probably and be expected to make this distinction but it, you you sense the private practices were able to pass on a lot of the additional costs to patients and i think there's a reference in the report to the resilience of patients when it comes to increased private fees it must be a much more uh, of a bigger challenge for nhs practices particularly those in england where they don't have quite the same flexibility to pass on costs are you seeing a difference in terms of um, ebitda between those those predominantly nhs and predominantly private or is it not as clear cut as that no, you, you, you're absolutely right. I think with, with the, the very nature of private practice, they're able to set their own fees. Um, they're able to increase costs when their costs increase. Um, and, and they have much more self-determination over, over their, their, their figures and financials, ultimately. Um, NHS practices, they're always at the, at the mercy of NHS England when the um, uh, contract value increase is, is, is announced each year. It was reasonably generous this year compared to historic previous years um, at, I I think, just under 6%. But when average costs are increasing 10, 11, sometimes 20, 30%, or if you look at gas, electric bills, uh, gas and electric bills, sorry, they can be increasing by 100% in some cases we're seeing. Um, so the the small uplift in in NHS contract value doesn't offset the increased costs that the practice is seeing. As I say, private practices have the have the advantage of being able to to increase their fees, you know, far beyond five or six percent if if required to do so. And I think this year many people have. And 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 just speaking, you know, anecdotally, what we see, I, th- I think the public are much more accepting of the fact that they understand businesses costs have increased and they understand that it's going to cost them more to to do things um and and so yeah we we've not seen any any real tail off of of activity within private practices uh, quite the opposite most most seem to be going from strength to strength um and be that fee paying all those with with a plan provider in place um with nhs practices there is always demand for NHS practices, but I think private practices are, are certainly growing in popularity. 
the number of people looking for particularly large NHS practices, predominantly NHS practices, um, is is a, a fairly small pool. Mixed practices are still incredibly popular. They arguably offer the advantages of both, um, but high quality private practices are are, are the real um, the, the the real volume area at the moment, and what what the majority of buyers are looking for. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, from our point of view, we're having the most um, sustained period of growth um, in the company's history, and we, we've been around since 1995. So, um, and, and what's particularly interesting is that is normally periods of growth have been triggered by a significant change to um, uh, NHS contractual arrangements, and and we haven't really had that. We've had the sort of tweaks, but we've not had anything significant, and yet the growth is 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 huge. So I think that shows a level of confidence in private dentistry and and an acceptance as you said by by patients you you touched on that that uh, those costs rising and mentioned about energy bills and, and those sorts of factors um uh, costs of uh having associates as part of the team or dental nurses as part of the team have definitely gone up because of some supply issues and it's it's not supply just in terms of headcount it's supply in terms of fte because an awful lot of people post pandemic have cut back the number of clinical hours that they're doing which um is 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 it's quite a key point when you're trying to do workforce planning what we're finding is a lot of um nhs practices approaching us for support in going private um primarily because they simply can't fill vacancies now i picked up from the report that there was a sense of greater optimism around around that point can you elaborate a little bit on that yeah absolutely i th- i think on on recruitment it's interesting because i read so many different uh, blogs and and online forums and so on where if you listen to the government, you would think the the there is no workforce issue in dentistry. Um, you know, they they talk about more dentists being registered um, and and so on and so forth. But as you rightly point out, the reality is many of those are, are working now on on a, on a part time basis. It's it's almost unusual um, to to see many many dentists working five days a week. Um, Moving forward, I think the the government have introduced, albeit very very slowly and arguably uh, very late, um, they've introduced various new legislation which will make it easier for overseas dentists to to come and work in the UK. Um, they're increasing the number of placements at, at various dental schools up and down the country, and so I, I think there is optimism that things will improve, but it obviously takes time for these things to filter through. Um, and, and reach the front line of dentistry. Um, it's, it's also interesting because historically, you know, recruiting good dentists has always been a difficulty for practice owners, but it's no longer just dentists. It's the same for hygienists and therapists. It's the same for experienced nurses. Um, and so what I think we have seen as well, um, coupled with the, the, you know, the cost of living and general inflation that we've mentioned, which which kind of um, a- enables practices to to give staff a, a good pay rise, they're also incredibly keen to keep the good staff members that they've got. Um, and and so yes, staff costs this year compared to previous years have have seen a, a, a quite significant increase. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out because you're, you're absolutely right about the intent of government to um, to bring overseas um, dentists in here because that's that's the the quick solution that the NHS workforce yeah. plan will will take five ten years before it has a material impact and 
I think it's going to be a bit of a challenging time for the NHS because it's it's hard for any NHS practice to compete for associates when private practices have enough demand that they need associates. And, and I, I think it's going to be an interesting thing to see how that plays out over the next couple of years. So so in terms of um, the, the next couple of years and beyond, what 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 would you be looking for in the future? What if we're here this time next year, Steve, talking about the latest Christian Co-Market Review, what what key highlights do you think there might be in it? Yeah, um, I, I, I dare say, uh, I, I think that I think the industry is probably going to go through 12 months or two years of, of, of just resetting. Um, as I say, co- costs have, have, have risen significantly. There are recruitment challenges, various other issues in, in the kind of wider economic picture. I, I think, as, as we've heard, you know, so many times over over the years, certainty within business is is absolutely vital to make sure everything keeps keeps working as it should and so i think after this fairly tumultuous year i i I suspect the next 12 months will will just be everybody finding their bearings again and so a a a period of reset before i i I, you know certainly hope um that that things really start to to improve and and build further upon from from where they are currently okay well that that I've thoroughly enjoyed um, this conversation, Steve, and uh, I think I said to you before we started it that I could imagine us chatting for a couple of hours because it's a really interesting report and there's so many different targets in it. Uh, Unfortunately, we've run out of time today, but I I thank you so much. I'm very grateful for you putting aside your time to have a chat with me about the report. And uh, yeah, maybe we can do this again, as I've intimated, this time next year. No, we'd, we'd absolutely welcome it. Thank you again for, for, uh, for, for the invite and, and for arranging this podcast and, and thank you for your time as well. Many thanks. <laughs>